0: I want you to open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 8 Luke chapter 8 I'm beginning a new series this morning a series on the anointing everybody say the anointing Luke chapter 8 in verse 43 I'll be reading this particular verse out of the New Living Translation Luke chapter 8 in verse 43 it's a familiar story, one that you all probably know already, but I chose the Luke account because there's a very interesting phrase that will help us in our study today. Luke eight forty three. it says this, As a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. Another account adds, Jesus, everybody's touching you. How would you ask? Who's touched you? When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble, fell to her knees. I skipped a verse. I skipped the most important part. Jesus said, someone Deliberately touched me. Someone deliberately touched me for I felt healing power go out from me. Everyone say anointing. I felt healing power go out of me. The woman realized she could not stay hidden. She began to tremble. She fell on her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and she had been immediately healed. Daughter, Jesus said to her, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Let's pray. And let's ask, let's ask for an anointing as we open his word here today. Lord, I just commit this word to you, and I commit this people to you. Lord, I pray that even now you would release a mighty anointing in the name of Jesus. Come on, if you have the liberty to pray with your spirit, I just want you to begin to lift your voice right now. God, I pray for a great anointing to sweep across this room in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, that you would give us eyes to hear and ears to hear and a heart that perceives what your spirit is speaking. I pray that I would preach under the unction, the anointing of your Holy Spirit as I ought to. Lord, not words of man's wisdom, but your wisdom coming forth from your word. And even now, I bind the works of the enemy. He would seek to distract, to distort, to confuse or uproot your word as it comes forward. Give us liberty in receiving your word today in the mighty, powerful, overcoming name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody say, amen. You may be seated. As I said, I wanted to begin this series dealing with the anointing. The anointing is, um, is a complicated topic. You know, there's a, a lot of mysteries around the anointing. If we were to ask, uh, uh, well, what is the anointing? We would get responses like, oh, when I feel goosebumps when we pray or worship, that's the anointing. I would say, yeah, that, that, that may be part of it. Uh, we may be in a, a situation where uh, we sense healing or anointing. Uh, uh, you know, I say anointing. Healing or the power of God released in a situation. We say, oh, that's anointing. Or demons are coming out. That's the anointing. Uh, what is the anointing? You know, the Bible, you know what the literal translation of anointing is when we talk about like anointing oil? The literal word for anointing means to smear. That's pleasant, isn't it? To smear. Everyone say smear. Is the idea of smearing. Oil or uh, other substances, there were times that there were different anointings that were released. Uh, uh, The most prominent in Scripture, of course, is that of oil, which is why we use oil for anointing. It's It's a practice in the New Testament, some would even call it a sacrament, where we anoint with oil for healing. It's a picture of the manifest presence of God upon our lives. It's the anointing. Now, some of the things that really caused me to dive into this is, church, I have a growing concern. As the presence and the power of God increases upon our people, increases upon our church, increases upon your life, I do not want anybody to be crushed under the weight of the anointing. You say, what in the world are you talking about, Pastor? How many of you sense God's presence increasing in our gatherings? Greater manifestations of his power. We're watching people get set free. We're watching marriages that are in peril being restored. A couple weeks ago, we heard healing testimonies of brain cancer and individuals with years bound in homosexuality. And I mean, things that the world says, no, that's not possible. That's a terminal illness. That's a mental condition. We're watching the Lord in a moment. Absolutely transform and heal. That's the anointing. But with the anointing, there's a weight. And we're not going to be crushed under the anointing. You're not going to be, I'm not going to be crushed under the anointing of God. Are you hearing me today? Now, uh, what I wanted to deal with, and this is what set me on this whole track, I began to look at the scripture, and it's very interesting. Jesus had moments where He's not even paying attention. In fact, in this text that we read a moment ago, he is going to pray for a child he doesn't realize who has just passed away. Well, Jesus probably realized, but you understand what I'm saying. He's following Jairus to this house. The daughter dies while he's on the way. So as he's walking to this house, he's on a miracle assignment. He feels power go out from him. He's not even paying attention, but Jesus is so saturated with the anointing, if you will, that this woman lays hold of a miracle and Jesus isn't even ministering to her. That's the kind of stuff that makes you scratch your head, friend. You think uh, Peter walking down the road, his shadow is falling on people? Do you think Peter was praying for people as they're being healed by his shadow? I don't think so. I think Peter was so saturated in the anointing of God that literally as his shadow fell on people, they were restored. Same thing with Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, so saturated by the anointing. But then there's interesting moments that just make you scratch your head. I was reading last night, just in my own devotion time, my personal time with the Lord, the account where Jesus was ministering in his hometown. And the Bible says because of their offense, they had no regard for him. Because of their offense, they were offended at Jesus. We know who this guy is. He's not somebody. And the Bible says that he could work no mighty miracle except for a few healings. Jesus was, Jesus saw healing take place when he wasn't even paying attention. But on another occasion, when he was attempting to minister, he was hindered because of unbelief. You guys ever wonder about these kinds of things? These are mysteries of the anointing. Why Jesus did it work over here, but it didn't work right here? How many of you have been in meetings? Maybe you know. I mean, I'll never forget. I've been in Nathan Morris meetings. I like Nathan Morris. I don't know if you know him. You ought to look him up. I was in a Nathan Morris meeting, and I felt, even while he was preaching, I felt like billows of fire were coming from the pulpit. And the moment that he prayed, I mean, I I have never been hit by the power of God the way I did when he prayed for me this night. He was stooping over me, and if you guys have ever seen Nathan Morris, I mean, he sweats through his suit. And he, uh, I remember, he stoops over me, I'm on the ground, and when he brings the microphone up like this, his arm literally began to drip sweat. I don't know, this doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I just, I remember he was just so, like so fired up. I mean, sweating through his suit. And I remember powerful anointing. So there was another occasion, Nathan was ministering at another meeting. And I remember going into that meeting thinking, this is going to be powerful. This is going to be incredible. And I remember the whole service was a dud. And it caused me to scratch my head. Boy, is something going on with Brother Nathan. And I've since discovered, no, there's nothing wrong with Nathan. He loves the Lord. He's going after God. There was nothing going on with him. Just the same way there was nothing going on with Jesus when he wasn't able to minister miracles. And so what is this about? I know Jesus didn't lack the anointing because John the Baptist, in John 3 in verse 34, John is talking about Jesus and he says this, He was sent by God, he speaks God's words, and God gives him the Spirit without limit. Jesus had an unlimited anointing yet there were moments he was hindered in his ministry when people did not believe I don't know if you've ever wondered there's moments where I've observed at different ministries when I first got saved my wife and I there was a revival that was going on I won't say where it was I won't say who the minister was because he ended up falling in sin this is a moment of deep wounding for me but I remember going down to those meetings and watching incredible miracles happen. I mean, there were dead being raised. I remember individuals, we, had, we knew one person who had rheumatoid arthritis in their hands. They went down there, just getting in the atmosphere, they were instantly healed. And there were so many tangible miracles that were taking place. And less than a month after we were there, it ended up being discovered that he was Drinking, heavy drunkenness in between before and after the services. We discovered that he had left his wife and was in an extramarital relationship with an intern for the ministry. And at that time, I was scratching my head. God, how can you operate through somebody like this when he's got so much filth in his life? I today want to teach you one principle about the anointing that will explain this to you is going to help you. If you've ever wondered, God, what's going on here? Jesus, why were you hindered? Why are you using that guy and he lives this way? Have you ever wondered some of these things about the anointing? Or even, how about this? Can I operate in a greater level? How come sometimes I see people touched and restored and other times I don't? Do I Can I increase in the anointing? Is there a greater measure of anointing you desire to release on my... These are some of the questions we're going to answer. Now let me give you Just some of the basic principles. I've only got two points today. I'm going to give them to you right at the beginning. There is an anointing in you, and there is an anointing on you. There is an anointing in you. Everyone say, in you. And there is an anointing on you. Say, on you. Tell your neighbor you're anointed. You know? Did you know that there are multiple streams of the anointing? Um, You know, you can get around certain people and... You sense there's a great healing anointing or a great prophetic anointing or a great preaching anointing. In fact, Jesus said, the spirit of God is upon me. He's anointed me to preach, right? There's a preaching anointing. He's he's anointed me to release liberty to captives and and recovery of sight to the blind. He's anointed me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. There is an anointing for healing and freedom. Jesus had a wonderful anointing. But Jesus also said, now this is very interesting. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. John 7, 38. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly will flow rivers, plural, of living water. Rivers of, not one river, but rivers of living water. Did you know there are different rivers of the anointing? There are streams, I like to use the word streams, of the anointing. I was ministering in Alaska just recently, and the pastor came up to me after one of those services. And that particular night, I had preached about healing. I prayed for a couple sick people, but then I released everybody A couple hundred young people, I released everybody in that place to begin to pray one for another. Sports injuries, individual, all kinds of sickness, all kinds of stuff was going on. And I remember the moment I said, now how many of you, check yourself, find out right now. How many of you are experiencing healing in your bodies? And I remember a sense of awe sweeping across the room as we realized there were dozens and dozens of miracles that had happened right in that moment. And this pastor comes up to me after the service and he's like, That was crazy. There was a great healing anointing in that place. But last night, oh, the fire of God. I mean, I mean, we were walking by people. Minister Ryland was with us in that service. Even the pastor himself, he's there just supporting the kids. But the fire of God began breaking out. I mean, bodies flying all over the place. It was awesome. I don't know if you like that kind of thing. I like that kind of thing. Bodies all over the place, even to the degree that the pastor himself sprinted down. Pray for me. Pray for Youth meeting. Pray for me. But he wanted it, man. Bam! Like lightning from heaven. Power of God touches him. It was awesome different stream every night so one night we ministered on the father heart of God and oh my goodness everybody's just crying in that place totally different anointing it's not bodies all over the place. It's people hugging and crying and oh that was great too different stream Different, You understand, there's times where you just sense revelation as the Word of God is coming forward. Different stream. God desires us to operate in different streams of the anointing. And so we're just dealing with two of them today. There's an anointing in you. Everyone say, in you. In you. There's an anointing on you. Say, on you. So let me just, I'm going to give you a couple statements here. In fact, I put this in the notes. If you use the Bible app, you can see it all there. There is an anointing that comes upon you, and there is an anointing that is in you. The anointing is on you for ministry. The anointing is on you for ministry. If you're writing this down, pay attention. The anointing is on you for what? For ministry. And the anointing is in you for living. The anointing is in you for Living, And this is going to help us, friend. Uh, I believe God is going to increase his anointing on your life. But as I said a moment ago, you're not going to be crushed under the anointing. And there's a way that we can be sure. You you understand, by the way, that we don't just see scandalous evangelists today. Like, they dealt with that in Bible times, too. Um, Think about King Saul. Old Testament. He was anointed, anointed as king. He would prophesy accurately, powerful anointing. God was raising him up and then he blew it. He ends up falling. He ends up, he ends up. Honestly, he was demonized before the whole thing was said and done. He blew it. Balaam is another one. Prophet, called of God, used of God, gave in to greed, ends up falling in, giving in to deception. He blows it. So it's not just happening today, friend. And I know there are some that are sitting here today, and I, because I've dealt with this. We get hurt when we watch leaders fall. I almost left the church right after getting saved because one of my Bible school instructors someone who I had gone with on a mission trip I'd spent time in crusade ministry in India I went overseas I preached alongside this guy we were in pastors conference in evangelistic meetings and come to find out he's sleeping around with his babysitter and I remember when I found out about that my my knee jerk reaction was forget the church I'm going to go keep on doing missions and evangelism. I'm going to love Jesus with my group of friends, but forget the church. But the Lord rebuked me, and I'm sure glad that he did. You understand, Jesus says, the church is my bride. It would be like this. I've used this illustration before, and I'll use it many other times. It would be like you come up to me and say, Pastor Jacob, whoa, you're awesome. I love you. You're incredible. You're gifted. But that bride of yours, I just don't like her. I really just can't even stand that bride of yours. Uh, You understand, friend, I I will take off my pastoral anointing, and I'm going to put on a fighter anointing if you start dogging on my wife like that. We're going to go have a conversation in the parking lot. It would be equally offensive if you came up to me and say, Pastor Jacob, you're a great speaker. I love the things that you think and the way your mind processes, but I just cannot stand to look at that body of yours. Oh, that is horrendous, that beard, you know, that gut. I don't know. I'm trying to work on these things, by the way. I'm, 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 I'm exercising. I make me and Minister Rilingo sit in the sauna and we lift weights. Uh, we're try- I'm trying, okay? <laughs> But I tell you, that would hurt my feelings if you came and you started insulting my body. How do you think Jesus feels? Jesus, I love you, but that bride of yours, I just cannot stand her. Oh, she is ugly. I just can't. Jesus, I love you. I love your heart and your teachings, but that body of yours, oh, I just can't even stand. Friend. As offensive as that would be to you, imagine how it is God who has an infinite capacity to love and to care. He died for his bride. How do you think he feels when you're, you guys hearing me, you're hating on the bride. Don't hate on the bride. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You came to church today. You're connected to the body. You're a beautiful part of the bride. All the spots and wrinkles and blemishes, they're out somewhere else. Hallelujah. I chose early on, God, I never want to be that which has hurt me so deeply. I want to be a part of the solution. I began, when I watched that minister, because revival is in my heart, all I yearn for is to see a move of God, friend. And I remember going down to see this mighty revival, miracle, salvation, resurrection from the dead, demons coming out, but when I saw that man of God fall, it made me stop. I froze in my tracks and this is the God honest truth. For about 5 years I stopped praying for revival. And I shifted my prayers and I said, "God, prepare me for revival." I don't want the weight of an anointing that I don't have the shoulders to carry. And the Lord has begun to show me there are things that we need to grow in if we're going to carry what God desires to do in us and through us. There is an anointing in you. Let me show you this in the Bible. First John 2 27. Did you know you have an anointing? Whether you pray in tongues or not you have an anointing. The moment you were born again, the moment you were born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God breathed life into you, you're born of the Spirit, you have an anointing. 1 John 2:27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. You do not need anyone to teach you but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, it is not a lie. And just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. Everyone say abide. In fact, I would call this the abiding anointing. The abiding anointing. This is so Important for us to recognize. You'll notice that in that single verse, he twice repeats, It will abide in you. You will abide in him. This is an abiding anointing. In the King James, it actually says, The anointing of God. Might help you understand there is an anointing from God and there is an anointing of God. There is an anointing on you, and there is an anointing in you. What I'm sharing right now is about the anointing in you, and the Bible says, this verse we just read says that it is of God, not from God, it is of God. Do you know the difference? If I say, in fact, Minister Adele, I'm going to give you a gift. My mints. And she gets to keep those mints. I actually will ask for them back before I pray for people. They will appreciate that. But I give to her. That is a gift from me, right? Now, I spend time with Kama here. He asked me if I would mentor him, disciple him, and so him and I have sat down. We've spent hours together. We pray together. We talk together. He sends me questions. I go over his sermons before he preaches. We, we spend time together. The fact of the matter is I'm not giving Kama a gift. I'm not asking him to receive from me. He's receiving of me. You understand, for me to mentor him, it actually requires my presence. I have to be with Him. I have to be around Him. I am abiding with Him. These are the moments that He's receiving of me, not just from me. Do you understand the difference? There is an anointing from God and there is an anointing of God. The abiding anointing is literally the anointing of God. It's not just an impartation. Okay, you're saved. I'll see you later. No. God coming to us and abiding with us. That's why I think it's so powerful. These last weeks we've been sharing in communion together. It's a constant reminder. God didn't. Save us, and now he's somewhere far off. No, his his kingdom is at hand. His kingdom is with us. And Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. This is the abiding anointing. The anointing on you is carried by the anointing in you. You want to know why people fail in their walk with God? They have a wonderful anointing that comes on them for healing or for soul winning or for prophecy but if they don't have the anointing in them the abiding anointing god with them and in them friend the anointing on them will crush them are you trekking with me i know there's a lot of ins and ons and throughs and and froms and and i know it it can be a little confusing so i are you trekking with me so far The anointing on you comes from the hunger of others. The anointing in you comes from your hunger for him. This is why. Why was a woman able to lay hold of a miracle when Jesus wasn't even paying attention? Because she was hungry. She touched him with intentionality. She had faith to receive a miracle. And even when Jesus wasn't paying attention, her hunger placed a demand on the anointing and she received her miracle. But there are moments where the people are resistant. They're offended. And even Jesus in his miracle ministry, the anointing is hindered. Begin to read in scripture and take note of the times where it says an anointing in or an anointing on. The spirit in or the spirit on. The spirit through or the spirit on. You'll notice that there's a difference. And what's interesting is every time you read about the anointing in you, it's always dealing with his presence. It's always about abiding. It's always about what He is doing. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I will pray the Father and He will give you another Helper that He may abide with you forever. In John 14, 26, He says the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, will teach you all things and He will bring to remembrance all things that I said. You'll notice our first John text He said, you don't have need for anybody to teach you because you have an anointing. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get around Bible teaching. What he's talking about there is there's false teaching, false prophecy, heresy, but he's saying you have an anointing to tell the difference. How many of you, from the moment you got saved, you had this, didn't you? Where it's like, something's wrong with this right here. Or something that tells you, you need to lean in, you need to hear what's going on. Something that rubs you the wrong way. There's something weird about this person. I'm not going to leave my kids with them. You know what I'm talking about. I need to change my circle of friends. I need to be around these people and not these people. What is that? That is the anointing in you. The abiding presence of God. It begins to speak to you. Do this and not that. Hear this and not that. Very important for us to recognize How do we receive and how do we keep this abiding anointing? How do we receive and how do we keep this abiding anointing? I think it comes down to one thing. Hunger. Are you hungry for God? If you've ever been around a newborn baby, you'll notice... As soon as that child is born, you don't need to give that baby instruction. Hey, uh, let me know when you're hungry, by the way, so I can feed you. No, it is instinctive in that child when they're hungry, feed me, right? When you are born again, in fact, even in 1 Peter 2 and verse 2, it says like newborn babies, we are to hunger for the milk of the word. This should be natural for you, friend. The moment you get born again, there should be a hunger that comes on the inside of you. I need to know what God is saying to me. I need to know what his word is instructing me in. In fact, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Matthew 5 and verse 6, this was the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness righteousness can i remind you of something by the way second corinthians 5 personifies righteousness righteousness is a person and his name is jesus second corinthians says that the righteousness of god in Christ Jesus that's what he gives to us the moment that we're born again he takes your sin and he gives you himself his righteousness so for you to hunger and thirst for righteousness listen to me is to hunger and thirst for him it's very important are you hungry for the Lord are you hungry for him you can be filled but you have to be hungry for him You have to yearn for it. In fact, you'll notice that these are the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are those who are meek. Blessed are those who are on and on and on. It goes through a whole list of things. Did you realize that hunger is a blessing from God? I believe hunger is actually a gift that God can give to us. He can bless you with hunger. Well, you guys are real quiet today. He can bless you with hunger. John G. Lake, great healing evangelist, mighty in healing signs and wonders. John G. Lake said, if I could leave one gift for humanity, it would be the gift of hunger it would be the gift of hunger in a moment we're gonna pray God would you give us the gift of hunger would you bless me with the blessing of hunger I want to thirst for you John chapter 6 and verse 35 Jesus said I am the bread of life and he who comes to me will never hunger he who believes in me will never thirst if you hunger and you thirst go to Jesus And he will fill you he will satisfy you how is it that David you look at Saul and David they had similar anointings they had similar callings in fact called to the very same office both had powerful prophetic anointings and both blew it horribly but one of the factors that I believe saw David restored and Saul never restored was the fact that David remained hungry Psalm 63:1 You are my God I will seek you earnestly my soul thirsts for you my flesh yearns for you Who talks like that My flesh cries out for you my soul yearns For you. Psalm 143 and verse 6 My soul longs for you as a parched land. Psalm 42 and verse 2 My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And so many more. David was hungry for God. Are you hungry, church? Are you hungry? You want the abiding anointing? You must get hungry for the Lord. And I want you to understand, I'm not talking about being hungry for gifts. Man, we're a Pentecostal church. We're praying for healing. My wife is prophesying earlier. I'm I'm bearing witness to healing miracles. I want more. I want God to take us deeper. I want every person with cancer who comes into here to be healed. I want every demonized individual to be set free. I want greater measures of the anointing. But I'm telling you, friend, we must have the abiding anointing. Or the anointing on you is going to crush you. It will wipe you out. God, I'm hungry not for what's in your hand and what you can do. I'm not hungry for a platform where you're going to put me or how you're going to use me or how you're going to w- work through my voice. God, I'm, I'm hungry. I just want you. I yearn for you. I long for you. My flesh and my heart and my soul. I'm hungry for you, oh God, your tangible presence. Is that the cry of your heart at all? When I hear people talk about the Brownsville revival, even moves of God that I've been a part of you, you guys, when people talk about Brownsville and those who are actually in those meetings, I've heard time and time and time again the most powerful moments were not the baptism of fire moments, were not the miracles that they saw, not even the baptisms and souls coming to Jesus, everybody I've talked to who was a part of those meetings say the most powerful moments in those revivals were the prolonged moments in worship, where it was as if God himself came into those meetings and began to meet and visit. Nobody's preaching, nobody's praying, just God abiding. Are you hungry for that? does your heart and your soul do you thirst for it do you long for it friend you'll never carry a great anointing until we cultivate that abiding anointing you have an anointing in you you got to feed it you got to hunger for it oh my oh my i'm getting too excited about this um I'll give you one verse, and then we're going to close worship, if you would come. The second anointing I'm just going to touch on. You'll see in Acts 1.8, and there's many other verses. We're going to spend weeks on this. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power. Everyone say power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you you not in you upon you and you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and to the ends of the earth the anointing on you is for the purpose of ministry the anointing in you is for living your life with God the anointing on you is for ministry every time an anointing comes on you there's a purpose there's an assignment There's something that the Lord desires to do in and through you. So it requires obedience on our part. I'm going to talk a lot about that. In fact, next week we'll talk about growing in the abiding anointing. And in the last couple weeks, we're going to deal with the empowering anointing of the Holy Spirit. I want to stand right now. John G. Lake, if I could give one gift to mankind, it would be the gift of hunger. Jesus talked about the blessing of hunger. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, they will be filled. It's a blessing that God can bestow upon us. God, I'm asking that you would stir our hunger today. May we have the heart of David that God is a dry and a thirsty land. We would recognize the need of our own soul. We need you, Lord. God, as we watch these runners, they're they're thirsty. They've pushed themselves beyond the limit. And God, the moment they get refreshing, oh, God, that's how our souls are. We're thirsty for you. We're hungry for you, the bread of life, the rivers of living water. We need you, O oh Lord. Almighty God, this is what I want to do this morning. Ministers, would you come and join me on stage here? And I want to extend an invitation. I'm not praying for power anointings. I'm not praying for an anointing for ministry. But in a moment... I'm gonna give you the opportunity to step out from your seats and if you're here today and you say pastor God is tugging on my heart and I need the abiding anointing maybe you've neglected your walk with God or maybe you're here and you're desperately in love with Jesus but you know God I want more hunger I want to go deeper in you we're gonna worship but I would love to open up these altars and if you'd like prayer we're gonna take a moment to pray that God would bestow upon us a spiritual hunger that will only be satisfied by Him. And so if you're here and God's stirring your heart and you say, God, I want a deeper hunger for you. I want to know you and I want you to abide with me. If that be you, I want you to begin to step out from your seat right now and I want you to come right down here into these altars. And in a moment we're going to begin to pray and ask for God to release that blessing Of hunger, Come on, if that be you, I want you to step out from your seat right now and come and find a place here at these altars. And we're going to begin to pray. We're going to worship, and we're going to go after God for these next moments. Come on. Come on. I'm going to pray for you, but don't wait for me to pray for you. You just begin to talk to Jesus and ask Him to come and to make His habitation in and upon your life right now. Holy Spirit, we welcome you.